I'm Lindsay Berra, and welcome to Food of the Gods, a podcast that explores how elite athletes eat and train to fuel performance. Today, we're talking with veteran National Hockey League defenseman Michael Delzato. He was drafted by the New York Rangers 20th overall in 2008. He won a Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues in 2019, and he played this past season with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Delzato is known as one of the fittest players in the NHL, but it has taken years of tinkering with his training regimen and his nutrition to reach that point. Michael, thanks so much for joining us today. So I'd like to start kind of at the beginning here. Uh, you mentioned you, you grew up in Toronto, and I think you were one of the kids who had the backyard rink. D- do you ever remember a time when hockey was not part of your life? No. Uh, I started skating when I was three years old, started playing hockey at four years old. And then I was just, you know, I have an older brother, and I was so fortunate to have a rink in our backyard. You know, we come from an Italian background, both sides of my family. So we had a, a bunch of court in the backyard with, it was, uh, it was stone and the boards were maybe, I don't know, let's say eight to 10 inches. And then in the winter time, my grand, my grandpa, my, my nono would, would flood it over and would make the rink for us uh, all winter. And he'd be up first thing in the morning, flooding it over to make sure it was perfect for us, uh, for that day and, and that evening. So those are some of my fondest memories of, of hockey is having my buddies over and my brother's buddies playing in the backyard we'd be playing there until dinner time. Then my mom would call us in for dinner. We go back out after dinner and, and play till bedtime. It is, you can get us, get us off the rink. So how are you at bocce? Really good too. Yeah. If I, <laughs> if I must say so myself. Yeah. We had, uh, I was very, again, I'm very fortunate to have, uh, we have a very close family in our house was my parents, me and my brother. And then my one set of grandparents, um, lived there. And then literally directly next door was my aunt and uncle with my other set of grandparents. So our backyard, we had uh, the backyard rink. And then my grandpa was, this guy was the legend. He built everything. So he would cut down trees, would shave them down, and he made soccer nets out of them. So we, so in the in the summertime too, we we had a big patch of grass and we had uh, three-on-three soccer tournaments there. And then next door, my aunt and uncles and on their property, that a massive garden, you, you name it, we grew it. So we, uh, we ate very well growing up as well. This is amazing. It sounds like Camp Delzato. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was special. It was special. We, my parents actually sold the house, I want to say eight years ago. And it was, uh, just because me and my brother were gone and it was, um, it was, I had to fight back some tears. It was tough. It was sad because there's just so many memories there. And I mean, that's where it all began. That's the place that groomed us into the men, men. And uh, for me, athlete, I am today. I, I love that. I am Italian on both sides. My grandfather was Yogi Berra, grew up on the hill in St. Louis. My mom is, uh, her name is Francesca Cuccinello. So I've got it on both sides, but I did try a few times to play bocce in the bocce clubs on the hill in St. Louis. And I am not good. I will say, I, I just throw it way too hard. It goes through the back. So, um, I admire the the skill. It is sort of like golf or like curling. It's definitely a precision sport. The bocce. It's, it's like any sport practice makes perfect. And yeah. especially with, uh, with the older Italians too. If you, if, if you don't have, uh, not every shot's perfect, they're going to let you hear it too. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are. My grandpa would let us know if we weren't uh, holding our own. That's funny. So did you play other organized sports as a kid or was hockey your main thing? It, it was hockey and soccer for me and, and my brother. So we played that every, every summer we wouldn't play hockey. Uh, we'd play soccer. And then I had to make a decision when I was 15, you know, right before I was getting drafted to uh, the OHL, you know, picking one or the other. And I was scouted by team Ontario. So I was a pretty decent soccer player as well. And I love soccer to be honest, just as much as hockey, but it got to the point where I had to decide one and picked hockey and 
obviously it worked out, but still to this day, you know, I still play soccer before the games and love that side of it. And I, I truly think it made me a better athlete as well. I was going to ask you that, and I'm sure not everyone who listens to this podcast knows that a lot of NHL players, many guys are European. A lot of them are good at soccer. And that little pregame soccer warm up in the tunnel is, is kind of just a thing around the NHL. So that's something that you do as well. Yeah. It's called two touch. It's, mm-hmm. it's great to warm up because you know, you're loosening up and your, your hips are being put in different positions and, and it's awfully, obviously fun too. And it gets you into the competitive spirit too. You have some guys that are, uh, a little bit more experienced than others, but it's a fun little way to gain some chemistry with your teammates uh, before you warm up and get ready for the games. Two touch, meaning that there's a bunch of guys in a circle and everybody gets two touches and have to pass it on to the next. Correct. Yeah. You, you, you can't touch it more than twice. Yeah. <laughs> cool. You've been an athlete your whole life. Have you always been into fitness as well? The training side was always into it, but never understood the nutrition aspect until I was, till I was drafted. You know, I was, um, I was a gifted athlete. I, I, I worked hard and that's, you know, there's a, those are the values that my parents instilled in me at a young age, but I got to a point where, you know, I was a little bit chubbier growing up. And then when I was drafted in the NHL, that summer was actually a huge summer for me. I was uh, at the end of that season, I weighed, I think it was uh, 211 pounds and my body fat was around 14%. And within that one summer, I dropped from 211 to 188 and got down to 6% body fat. So now the last, I've kind of played with my, my weight a little bit since I've been in the NHL, I've varied around, you know, 188 to, I think the heaviest I've been was, was 198. And then I've, I've found that 195 is a perfect playing weight for me. I've been here for most of my career and, you know, varied around the, the 7.5 to 8% body fat range. And Cause if you get too low, I find you get injury prone, you get too high, obviously not beneficial as, as well, but I've, I've always enjoyed the fitness aspect. I love knowing that, you know, the work you put in, you see the results and that's a, that's a big thing for me. Um, and then the nutrition aspect is something that I've enjoyed over the years and I love cooking now myself and I, I cook most of my meals and, uh, I love knowing what I'm putting into my body. You're just now entering your off season. You've got that brace on your hand at the moment, but what is your normal off season routine? Do you take time off and then how many days a week are you in the gym during the off season? Yeah. I, I mean, in a normal, it's still not normal this year with uh, the restrictions on traveling and whatnot. I typically travel for the first two weeks, take a little bit of time off and then I'll go into depending how on the off season, if we make playoffs or not, but I'll typically train for three to four weeks and then take a week off. I love traveling. So I usually travel for that week as well. And that typically seems to be kind of the stages of, uh, of my training and it's six days a week. Uh, Monday, Tuesdays are, are lift days. Wednesday is more of a recovery day, Thursday, Friday, lift days. And then Saturday, I try to either do an activity. Uh, I went through a stretch of boxing every Saturday, but I, tr- I try to do an activity, just, uh, something more fun, uh, a little bit on the competitive side. You know, I, I love playing all sports two summers ago. I joined a beach volleyball league. So I, I like getting into other things where you're getting the, the fitness aspect, but you're also getting the competitive side too. I'm, uh, I'm very, very competitive. I don't like losing at anything. So <laughs> I enjoy new challenges and trying to, uh, you know, become just a better athlete, not just a better hockey player. What do those lift workouts look like during the off season? I've checked out your Instagram. I saw you definitely like to do a lot of dumbbell stuff like unilateral yeah. bilateral dumbbells, but I saw rope climbs. I saw the, the banded box squats. Yeah. What are your goals for the workout? A little bit of everything. Uh, I think as I've gotten older now, uh, you know, I'm turning 31 next month, but that's old in our line of work. I've you know just finished my 12th season. The workouts have definitely gone a lot different over the years. 
now it's just trying to maintain my strength. You know, I'm not going to get much stronger, faster, quicker at, at this point in my career. So maintaining and and staying durable, that's the biggest thing, staying pliable and, and trying to last the whole season. Our seasons are very, uh, very grueling on the body, uh, you know, mentally as well, but just trying to, trying to get through 82 games without getting injured is, is my biggest goal right now. So do you do a lot of stuff then that focuses on like stability and mobility that, Correct. Yeah. A ton of core work. Uh, I'm huge into Pilates now too. I love Pilates. I got into that maybe three, four years ago. Um, I swear by that now, you know, the last couple of summers, I was doing that twice a week. So I've definitely, uh, I've gotten away from the heavy lifting, the max lifting, you know, I still like to do that once in a while, just for the ego a little bit, you know, competing against your buddies. I'm again, I'm very competitive, but I've gotten away from that. Love Pilates, gone into Eldoa, a uh, ton of stretching. I'm very flexible. And, and this summer is going to be different for me too, with the hand injury, I'm spending some time in Miami. Now I was you know, planning into getting into more activities and, and trying that, uh, that, uh, a little bit different that way. Do you have exercises that you, that are hockey specific that you have to do all the time to keep yourself ready? Yes. Um, more so for warmups, especially, uh, you know, practices and even more so games. I've early on in my career, I've had, uh, both sides, sports hernia surgeries. I've, uh, a really bad hip impingement on my one side, which will need to get taken care of at some point. So I'm just, as I said before, I'm trying to stay healthy throughout the whole season and get to the point where once my career is done, I can kind of take care of these issues. So uh, for me right now, a lot of it is, is abdominal work and glute activation. Cause you know, I find when my glutes aren't activated, then it just becomes a domino effect. And one thing after another starts uh, shutting off and not, not working properly. And, and then you have big issues. So uh, I've gotten into a ton of band work. My warmups are, are pretty extensive. I get to the rink three hours before the game. I'm always the first one there, but I have to put the time into, to make sure that my body is, uh, is ready to go for games. So I actually had, uh, the labrum tear in my right hip. I had two bone spurs on my femur, the same kind of impingement you're talking about. I had the surgery probably 12 years ago now, but I still have to do a ton of stuff. That's like the, the one legged, like kind of RDL balance, yeah. activate the glute active because if the glute and the, and your quad and your hamstring aren't all super strong and it throws onto the psoas, which is really compromised, you get in a lot of trouble and that's tough for a hockey player. Yeah, that, that's the biggest issue guys have is, is the psoas being super tight and overcompensating. And then, uh, as I mentioned before, then you have, you have big issues. So trying to stay away from that, uh, from your surgery, do you find it, it, it helped after a while? Or I, I know the, the, uh, the rehab process is very grueling and there's lots of guys who have it and, and just aren't the same player when they come back and find their careers are done shortly after. So mine was kind of interesting. Mine was in 2007 and it was right when they first started diagnosing a lot of hockey players, chronic groin strains as labrum tears. It was actually Jim McCrossin, the Flyers trainer yep. who I knew very well, who suggested that I go and get it kind of checked out in, in that theory, you know, in that line of thought. Um, he sent me actually to uh, Brian Kelly at HSS. This, without Jim McCrossin, I would have been lost. He and I were, were tight at the time and he yeah. knew what I was kind of going through. They had just started doing that surgery. They'd done it in very few women and they did a psoas release on me. They cut my psoas and I'm not a very hippie person, but I am. I obviously have more hips than most men. And that extra little bit of angle 
basically that psoas release, I have zero psoas function on my right side now. So it's like, I can't, if I'm in a totally prone position, I can't lift my right leg when it's straight. If I bend and I can use my abs, my quads, my glutes to engage, I then can lift, but it's a big deficit for me. So I really went head on at it. I started doing CrossFit in 2008, right after the surgery, a lot of deep squats, like getting out of the hole explosively to make sure everything else around it was was working so I could do all my long road cycling and my long runs and all that kind of stuff. And it just became something now that I really have to manage. But the most of the guys that I know, once they get through the rehab, they don't have that issue. And they're, they're pretty good. If you're already fit to begin with, then you end up fine. And they don't do yeah. that. So as release a lot in anybody. Um, yeah. I've, I haven't heard of that. That one, to be quite honest with you. I know Jimmy, well, I played in Philly for three years. So mm-hmm. I, I had yeah. Jimmy as, as my, uh, my trainer there and he's, uh, and he's very detailed and understands, uh, the hips and groins pretty well. Just especially, did you go to that Vincere Institute in, in Philly at all? Did they have that? At, I'm not sure if they had that at that time. And so I don't think by the so. Stadiums. So that's where they do a lot of the surgeries and the rehabs now. When I was, uh, JJ Watt had been there, uh, Marshawn Lynch has been there. So when I played there, there's a ton of guys that went in there, uh, getting, doing their rehab. That's cool. I was just at hospital for special surgery up here in New York with, again, the doctor was Brian Kelly. I forget. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I I know the name. But um, yeah, I mean, but again, it's just something we all, and I played ice hockey my whole life. I, I played college softball. Like anybody who's been an athlete, we have those little issues you got to work around. And like, I think about it a little bit like in every workout, but it's like, oh no, I'll just do it this way. And it's fine. Yeah. So, yeah, I imagine yeah, you're, you're doing the same thing with your, uh, with your thumb. Now you're probably just like, I'm going to get in a killer workout. It's just not going to involve my right hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm trying to get creative with it right now. It's, it's more difficult than I was expecting, but getting into a little bit more cardio, uh, which isn't my favorite. I'm not a huge cardio cardio guy, to be honest with you. It's, and it's not the most applicable to our sport, but I figured this would be the, the time to get into it at least. How often do you skate during the off season? I'll take like this summer, I'll, I'll take a month or two off. And then once we get back into it, it'll, it'll, I'll slowly get into it, you know, twice a week, more skill session three times a week. And then once we get into August, a month or so before the season run on, on the ice, typically four to four to five times a week. On top of your six days of lifting and training, yeah, everything this, else. All, all on top of training. Yeah. The so how many, that gets taken away. how many hours a day would you say that you are doing some sort of exercise? It's less and less that I used to overtrain. That was, you know, when I was younger and not as educated, you know, I was, you know, I was training five hours a day. I, I, I just loved it. I love training. You know, I get a lift in, I do my cardio. I, I go play a sport, you know, I was big into tennis, squash, golf, and then I do wow. yoga at night or boxing at night. And it was, did I look good? Yeah, absolutely. I love I love looking in the mirror and that part was great. But at the same time, I'd get to December halfway through the season and my body was completely broken down. So I think that, you know, like anything comes with experience and, um, education, um, you know, meeting the right, having the right trainers, meeting the right people. And so now it's, you know, I, I typically am not in the gym more than an hour. It's all about, you know, quality of work, not the quantity, uh, very efficient. I, you know, I've had the, the privilege of working with Matt Nickel in, in Toronto for the last five, six seasons, and he's been a huge help to me. And the one thing that's always stood out with me and that he's you know pointed out to me is, you know, you keep hammering on the gas, but if the tank's empty, you're not going anywhere. So rest and recovery has been, been huge for me. You know, I've worked with some great people, uh, acupuncture therapists, um, Kairos back in Toronto, who know my body, like, like the back of my hand and they're able to treat me. I fly them out once, uh, once a month in the season to take care of me. So 
as I've gotten older, I've, I've created this team around me. That's helped me not just on the, the, the fitness as, aspect side of it, but also the recovery side as well. And I find that's, uh, that's just as important. You mentioned acupuncture. Do you have other recovery modalities that you think or that work really well for you? To be honest, acupuncture has been the biggest one for me. Just there's some areas, as I mentioned before, with my hip, hip and growing issues to, you know, there's some areas that just can't be massaged. Um, obviously, ART is big too, but the acupuncture, you know, getting the, the six inch needles in some weird spots takes a little bit of time to get used to, but, but I swear by it. And the biggest thing for me is nutrition, nutrition, you know, same with uh, all the other aspects as you are educated and gain experience, you know, what works well for your body and, and sleep. I think sleep is so underrated and people don't talk enough about it. If you're able to sleep and properly recover, it sets everything else up. Do you, do you use any of the wearables to track your sleep? I don't, uh, because I feel like that would get in my head. Um, I know some <laughs> people love it, but I, I'm not one of those where, you know, you okay, you had six hours of sleep and you know, your REM cycle wasn't great. And then you wake up in the morning and then it's in your head the rest of the day. You know, early in my career, I had, I had him last year as well, but I had John Tortorella as my coach. And uh, he taught me early on that, you know, mind over matter and, you know, your mind uh, is your biggest asset. And he, yeah, he's, I mean, he's had a lot of great lines, but a lot of it just has to do with the mental aspect, mental aspect of it and the mental side, uh, just overcoming everything. If you put your mind to it, uh, you can overcome whatever obstacles uh, are thrown at you. So do you just shoot for eight hours of sleep? Uh, seven is perfect for me. Okay. Um, it's, it's really hard for me to get eight. I'm a very light sleeper. I sleep with earplugs. I've tried a lot of different, um, I have these noise canceling Bose headphones where, you know, plays like the calming music beforehand, the white noise. And I've tried a few different things. Um, but I just accept that seven hours is, is perfect for me during the season. I try to nap as much as I can on game days too. And as the, in, the in-season and off-season are very different. Off-season, I, I, I sleep well. I'm in bed by nine o'clock clock and I'm up at six. I don't need an alarm. Once it, basically once the sun goes down, I go to bed. Once the sun comes up, I'm up. My body's just programmed that way. And then in season, I just try to sleep when I can. It's impossible to have a schedule just with the travel, um, game days, non-game days, uh, different time zones. So you can't get in into any type of consistency. So I, I try to sleep as much, uh, as much as I can when I can. It's funny. I don't remember who it was that retired. It was a famous hockey player. But somebody asked him how his life was different after in retirement. And he said, well, <laughs> when I was playing, I used to get up in the morning, put on my clothes, go to the rink, take off my clothes, put on my equipment, get on the ice, take off my equipment, put on my clothes, go home, take off my clothes, get in bed, take a nap, put on my clothes, put, uh, go back to the rink, take off my clothes, put on my equipment, take off my equipment, put my clothes back on, go home, take my clothes off, get in the bed. He goes, now I get up in the morning, I get dressed and I take off my clothes when I go to bed at night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a lot easier. You don't have to worry about too many outfits. Oh, yeah, I remember just dying laughing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. You're changing a lot during the day. I wish they brought back those old uh, Cooperalls that the Flyers used to wear. You know, you just zip up the zip up the equipment and I didn't have to get dressed all the time. It would make it a lot easier on us. That's really, really funny. So you've mentioned nutrition a few times that you, you were a lot heavier when you got into the league and now you've found this kind of happy spot at 195. What is your diet like right now? Uh, typically keto. As I said, I cook a lot. I, I intermittent fast every day. I never had, uh, before I really knew what intermittent fasting was, I never really had a, an appetite in the morning. So that just became very easy for me. And then typically, you know, like in an off season, you know, I train in the morning, I'd have either a late breakfast, uh, you know, depending on when I ate the night before or, or for lunch, I'd have a salad with some type of protein, a snack in the afternoon, which would be a shake 
or some vegetables. You know, I, I love salad. People think I'm weird. I, I love salad. And then for dinner, I have lean protein, vegetables and salad. And that's, you know, it's pretty easy. Of course, I love carbs like anyone does. Uh, being Italian, I love pasta. And, and, and it's tough to say no to that type of food, especially when you get together with family. Uh, but, you know, as the years, the last few years, I've definitely treated myself a little bit more. I went through a, you know, probably a four or five year stretch where I just have a cheat meal either once, once every week or every other week. And it'd be on Saturday and I would go, I would go wild though. I'd have anything and everything, uh, kind of like, uh, what the rock does, you know, he has that stack of pancakes. I wouldn't be able to eat that much, but I, I, I very much have a sweet tooth. I love candy. I don't drink much either, which is, is a huge benefit because that's what I think most people struggle with is the alcohol is, is the worst thing for you. So I don't drink much. And when I do, it's, it's, I keep it to that, that cheat meal. So you are doing most of your workouts in the morning fasted? Correct. Uh, every workout fasted. Okay. Yeah, always. I've pretty much always done that. I, I, I don't like, even before games, I don't eat a ton before games. Uh, you know, I'll have my pregame meal at, you know, let's say 11, 12 o'clock. Then I'll have a light snack, maybe at four, and I don't, I don't touch anything until seven. I don't like the feeling of being bloated or or heavy. I like feeling empty. Um, and in the morning, it's the same thing. Uh, on an empty stomach, I feel at my best. So I grew up playing hockey as well, and I had a lot of early morning six a.m. practices. And my mother used to wake me up at four and give me oatmeal, and I would always throw up at practice. And my coach got really mad and said, "Could you please stop feeding this child so she stops throwing up on my bench?" And I sort of became an accidental intermittent faster as well at the age of like eight, just because the food pre-workout didn't agree with me. I imagine you had some early practices as a kid too. Yeah, there you go. You were, you were ahead of the times. You were ahead <laughs> of the times. When I, I mean, when I was younger, again, I was, I was a bit chubbier. So I kind of, I ate a lot, even in junior. It's, I tell this story all the time because it's, it, it just shows how, how far nutrition has come. And also, you know, the resources we didn't have nutritionist. We didn't really have strength coaches when I was in junior. So I was waking up every morning before we go to school and I was having uh, two s'mores pop tarts. That was, that was my, that was my breakfast. Yeah. And I thought I was like, Oh, I'm eating something. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And then uh, once I started, you know, working with different nutritionists and and even just learning myself, I, I was disgusted that that's what I used to do. And, but we didn't, we didn't have the resources that young athletes have now. You said you cook a lot. What are your go-to specialties? Parmesan ribs. That's what all my buddies love. Anytime they come over for dinner, that's all they want. So I, I slow cook them in a deep dish. They're baked at 350 for three hours. I have uh, this Jamaican rub I use that I put over top. And then I have it sitting over top of, of apple juice. So just uh, it gives it a little bit of a sweet flavor. Um, so slow cook for three hours. Take it out, sauce it a little bit put some parma, uh, grated Parmesan on top, put it back into broil so the cheese melts and it falls right off the bone. It's, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it, it is. All my buddies love it. In season, whenever I have the guys over for dinner, that's what they ask for. Off season, whenever my buddies come there, they come over there, they're expecting ribs. If there's not ribs, they're disappointed. <laughs> and your your cheat meals, are they usually pasta, like Italian? No, meals? no, I don't I don't eat a ton of pasta. My mom, uh, my mom's an amazing cook. She makes amazing prosciutto goat cheese pizza. That's my favorite. Cheat meals just it depends where I am, you know, if I'm traveling or if I'm if I'm at home. It's typically, you know, typically in the summer in Toronto, I have buddies over, we hang by the pool and we'll barbecue, we'll have a couple of drinks and get the candy and chips going and, and do that. So it all depends where I am. I, I like everything. I have a, a huge sweet tooth. I love I love candy. I love desserts, baked goods. I love all that. So uh -huh. 
there's nothing there's nothing I don't like. So it just yeah, depends where definitely. I am. You've moved around a lot over the years. You played New York, Nashville, Philly, Vancouver, Anaheim, St. Louis, Columbus. That's that's a lot of moving. And every team has their own philosophies, strength coaches with their own ideas. How do you kind of stay focused on what you need to do when you're getting all these kind of different views and different information from each club? You know, th- that's the part that I think has allowed me to be so educated in these different, these different areas. Cause you take bits and pieces from different people that you've met throughout the years, different strength coaches, nutritionists, and you may not like, or agree with everyone's philosophy, but there may be little pieces that you do like or enjoy. And, and you incorporate that into what works for you. So I think that's, I attribute that to kind of where I'm at today is I've just met so many great people on, on different, in different organizations, different places, uh, wherever I, I've lived. And, um, you know, everyone is educated, obviously, to get get the jobs they have. It just, you know, people have different philosophies. So just being able to take bits and pieces has been great for me. What was the last tip you got that you were like, oh, wow, that's something I've never heard of. I'm going to incorporate that. Wow, that's a good question. I think you stumped me here. I'm not sure because this year was very different. There wasn't a lot of lifting going on. I just had, I, I, I have yeah. a Peloton. I use the Peloton app and yeah. there's this one dude who always does like reverse planks with rotation and it's stuff I haven't done since college softball. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to start doing the stable plank with the rotation over it. So I've incorporated that into a lot of my workouts nice. and it was something I hadn't found. So like any, something like that. Yeah, no, I haven't. Yeah. Nothing, nothing new lately. Hopefully something, uh, actually just this morning before we jumped on this, uh, on the zoom. I went to, there's a gym in Miami beach called anatomy that just opened up and they have a ton of different workout classes. They have like this big, uh, mace bar, I guess. And they're doing the whole class with that. So I, that, that intrigued me right away. And I'm hopefully once my hand is better, or if I can use a light one, uh, that might be a workout class I go to next week. It just seemed you know like something different. And again, I, I love trying different workouts. I love trying putting your body through different, different stress because a lot of people do the same workouts every single day and your body becomes immune to it. So I enjoy uh, challenging the body a little bit more. My brother just bought a mace on Amazon and he loves it. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. There we go. you go. So I have to try it. So I think a lot of people also don't really realize so many people in the gym do so much that is front to back. Like they're all sagittal, right? And hockey players, by definition, skating is side to side. So you do a ton of that you don't necessarily have to think about adding that to your workouts when you're in season. When you get to the off season, do you train for that side to side or is it, I need a break from that now? The first bit is definitely a break. Uh, typically the, the start of the off season is more corrective work and getting your body back moving functionally and moving properly. The side to side stuff more comes into the dryland training, you know, the plyometric, you know, different sprints and, and that kind of stuff, which Typically, the last few years, we've incorpor- we incorporate that more so uh, at the end of the summer, you know, the last month of August, as we're preparing for the season. But there is a ton of side-to-side work, and that that's what makes hockey training a little bit more difficult. Is our sport is very unique, and there's really no other sport like it. So it's you know, for some guys, uh, depending on where they live, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be in Toronto, where we have 20 plus guys that we all train together. And we're all, we're all hockey guys. So we're all doing in the same sport for some guys that are, you know, in more remote places where there's not a ton of hockey players, you're not getting that specific training. And that's one thing that I think people don't understand is that the hockey training is so specific and you're not going to get that everywhere. And as a competitive guy, I know people love those, like training with 20 hockey players you really do. You don't lose the competitiveness just because you're not on the ice. (laughs) No, no, not at all. And that part is great too, is again, you're with 20 guys that are on different teams. And again, they're incorporating what they 
have brought from their teams. So you're always learning. And I love that side of it too. You're learning what, what they've learned over the years from their organizations. You're pushing each other to be better. You're of course enemies during the season, but in, in the off season, you're still friends and you want the best for each other. Do you have exercises you love to hate the, the ones that you know you need to do and you do them, but you can't stand them? Yeah. The sk- skater squats. So <laughs> we call them skater squats, you know, uh, Bulgarian split squats. The back foot is elevated. We do them with weight vests and then either kettlebells or dumbbells in your hand. And we do one and a quarter. So it's six seconds down your knee touches. You come up a quarter, hold for four seconds down and back up. When you see those on the board in the morning and you're, you know, it's not going to be a fun day. So we have those. And, and then the assault bike is my least favorite thing in the world. Those sprints are, those are no joke. I've played on different teams where for training camp in, in Anaheim, we actually do, uh, we have to do 200 cows as fast as you can. Vancouver, we had another one where you have to do, I forget the number, a certain amount of cows under 12 minutes. And that is, to me, that's the hardest, that's the hardest because it's full body, full body. You, you can't take, you can't rest. There's no time to rest or recover. And you're just, you're going until it's just a grind. And, and that I think brings out the, the mental toughness aspect of it. And that's my least favorite by far. I, if I never saw a salt bike the rest of my life, I'd be, I wouldn't be upset. <laughs> so you, you said you don't like cardio very much at all. Do you no. have cardio that you like? No, 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 nothing. I, the car- cardio. I, I don't like running. I'm not a big runner. Never have been. Um, I ran two miles this morning and that's kind of like, I go at a good pace, but that's like, that's where, that's where I'll cap it off. Maybe two or three miles. Just our sport. We don't really, you know, we're 40, 45 second shifts for me. I would much rather play a sport for three hours straight, say whatever volleyball. Uh, I don't know if you play spike ball. I absolutely love spike mm-hmm. ball on the yep. beach. And to me, it's such a good workout too, for agility and mobility in the sand. I would much rather play any of those for three hours, box for an hour or you know, something more play a sport for numerous hours instead of riding a bike or running. Uh, that's, that's just me. I, I enjoy that much more. I get more out of it to be quite honest with you too. And, uh, the mental, the mental side of it is, uh, I'm much, much happier doing it. Are you one of the guys who gets on the bike post game? Depends on how much I played that day or that night. Sorry. I'll flush. I'll always do something after the game, roll out, do some type of recovery, um, get a massage, Norma tech. I'm not a cold tub guy either. I, I, I know people love it. And there obviously the science behind it is, uh, it is good for you. But for me, I, in my mind, I put my body through enough pain. I don't want to sit in a cold tub and put it through more. So that's, uh, I'm stubborn when it comes to that. When you are, you're lifting six days a week in the off season, you said when in season comes, how does the workout schedule change? Uh, typically once or twice a week lifting, just ma- maintaining throughout the season. So whenever it allows for uh, a couple days in between, uh, in between games is when you'll get a heavy lift in. But for me, where the league has gone now, we don't really have morning skates anymore. So I'll typically lift in the morning and that'll be my routine where I'll wake up, I'll go to the rink, get a good warm up in, I'll lift. And then it's, I almost use that as a primer for, uh, for the game too. And I'll get a little bit of a lift in before. So it's not heavy, heavy lifting, but you know, every day I'm, I am doing something. Will they get back to morning skates? I hope not. I hope not. Okay. I'm not, yeah. (laughs) There are very few teams are doing them anymore. And, you know, they did those in the olden days because yeah. all the guys were out drinking the night before and they have to sweat out the booze in the morning. That's not, that's not the case anymore with, uh, how far the game has come and how important nutrition recovery and all that that is. So I hope there's no morning skates. I'm not a big believer in it. I, I don't, I think it's a waste of time. 
Yeah, and you get to change your clothes one last time. Yeah, exactly. Day. You don't have to get in your gear. Exactly. You don't yeah. have to worry about that anymore, but you still get in your workout clothes though. Yeah. So during the uh, pandemic, you developed an online training program for hockey players. What, what motivated you to do that? Yeah. So I had come back March or whenever it was, when our season was canceled, paused, I came back from California and I was in Toronto, my house, and I was going, I was going crazy, not being able to work out, do anything hockey related. So I knew if I was going through that, I can only imagine what, what all the kids were going through without having any minor hockey skill sessions, uh, you know, basically being stuck at home. So I developed this, this program called virtualhockey.com, uh, sorry, this website. Um, and it's a, it's essentially a 30 minute workout kids of, of all ages, all skill level. And it, they can do it from their home, their, their garage, uh, driveway, wherever it may be. And it's, uh, it's hockey based, but workout based as well. And, um, uh, it's something that I've gotten great feedback about. The kids love it. We've kind of tried making it as applicable to all situations of life. You know, there's an area, every workout you complete, you accumulate points. And with these points, uh, you can use them to, to buy prizes, whether it's, um, uh, signed memorabilia from, uh, we have a Connor McDavid stick. We have, you know, some of these NHL superstars, so signed memorabilia. I know for me, I have memorabilia still in my house from when I was a kid. So we've tried to make it applicable for them using their brains as well and educating them uh, as far as accumulating points and, and having like almost the, the finance or the, the real world side of it as well. And uh, kids are enjoying it. And it's just unfortunate that more so in Canada than the U S that, you know, they're still at home and not able to play organized sports. Yeah, this is tough. When you were growing up, you were a hockey player and a soccer player. Were your athletic role models, hockey players or soccer players? Uh, hockey players. Yeah. Yeah. They were my, for, well, for me being in Toronto, Matt Sandin was one of them. Just, he was a legend in Toronto. Uh, and then Joe Sackick, my favorite player though, was Bobby Orr, which I mean, makes no sense because he wasn't playing when I was growing up, but he was my dad's favorite player. And we had uh, the best of Bobby Orr tape that I'd watch all the time. So he was, uh, he's my favorite player because my dad actually switched me from forward to defense when I was, I think 11 years old. And Bobby Orr obviously is, you know, the prototypical, well, he, he changed the game from, for defenseman being offensive defenseman. And he was the the prototypical one. I was going to say, you picked Matt Sundin and Joe Stackick. They are not defensemen. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I started off, I started off as a forward. That's why. Yeah. Um, and as I, uh, as I switched to defense, I started, you know, paying more attention to the offensive defenseman. So, you know, Bobby Orr and then Scott Niedermeyer was, you know, the one that I watched good. and yeah, and was, was my favorite. Did you have fitness role models at all? No. No, did that even I, exist? <laughs> no, not, not when I was younger. Now we actually had a, a couple me, Rob Fabry and, uh, Zach Sanford, when we played in, in, uh, St. Louis, those are the, you know, a couple younger guys that would bring in, in to work out in the mornings. And we joke around about, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo when he's got like his CR seven underwear on and he does his little flex here and you see his lats popping out. So we'd always joke around, we'd flex in the mirror and see if we look like CR seven. So that was kind of my fitness model. He's, you know, he's a specimen. Did you achieve the goal? I think so. I think I mean, <laughs> his, his abs might be a little bit better. might be a little bit better. He's his legs. I mean, his legs are huge, but again, different sport, yeah. different sport, but he's, yeah, he's a specimen. I know I'm bouncing around a little bit here, but I keep thinking no. about the things I want to ask you. Do you stay keto during the season? Yeah. No I carbs also, at all. Only on game day, I'll have brown rice. That's it. But like non-game days, I have no carbs. And when do you have the brown rice on the game day? That 11 or 12 o'clock meal, whenever, depending on if we're at home or on the road. Yeah, that's it. 
I think this is probably pretty interesting for people to hear because I think, first of all, people assume that you need to eat before you exercise or you won't have enough energy. And they also assume that you need to have carbs to fuel your workouts. I mean, you obviously now have tried both ways and you've evolved to the keto part of it. How, how, how do you feel? How long did it take for you to get to that point where you were burning, basically burning fat for energy all the time? Yeah. I, I was never, I, I, like I mentioned before, when I dropped all that weight, I never starting from then. That's kind of what helped me get to that point. And from, from then I'm like, Hey, this works for me. I feel great. And I, you know, I make some minor adjustments here and there, sometimes up the protein, sometimes uh, less than the protein and up to fats, just depending on how, I, how I'd feel. And then you get to a certain point where you, you know, what, what works for you. Yeah. The carbs, the, uh, all I have is the brown rice and then just the healthy fats, the, the healthy fats are, uh, are huge. And I, I swear by, you know, there's the old school mentality too. You got to have pizza after the game and all that, or replenish, you know, replenish your body with carbs. And uh, it's just complete nonsense. Do you eat a post-game meal? Yeah. What is yeah. that usually? And same thing. So I'll usually have a shake right away. And then same thing. It'll be extra, you know, vegetables, some type of protein, and then obviously up the fats, depending on sometimes it's tough. Cause it just depends if you're on the road at home, if you're cooking or if the, uh, you know, the chefs at the rink are cooking, but again, no carbs. Yeah. So when you are in season, you're eating that last meal, 1030 at night. Sometimes you obviously have to push your fast a lot longer the next day during the season. Yeah. And that's easy because typically the next day you'll, you practice at 11. So I'm, I'm an early riser. So I'll wake up in the morning. I'll be fine. I'll go to the rink, get my workout in, you know, I'll practice. And then by the time practice is done and you're, you're out of the rink, you know, it's one o'clock already. So you won't, you'll eat the game, the meal post game, then you do your own workout, then you practice, then you'll eat again. Yeah. 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 I have nothing before then. Yeah. That's good. It works well. Awesome. Yeah. It's easy for me. Yeah. It's not, it's, I, it's like anything, you know, you know, practice makes perfect and you get to, into a, a rhythm or routine and your body just adjusts, right? It's not, uh, some people think it's crazy and think it's too hard, but once you get, once you get past that first week, you, you know, just, it becomes easy and it becomes routine. It's just muscle memory. And, and that's just what you do. Yeah. And you do it all year round. It's not like an in-season off-season thing. You just adjust the timing. It becomes like a lifestyle. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what's the lifestyle and, and some a mindset, right? It's just knowing that this is this is what works and this is what you gotta do. Well, I thank you so much for doing this. It was great talking no to you. I really hope that your thumb gets better fast. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much to Michael for joining us today and be sure to follow along this summer to see where he'll land for the 2021-2022 NHL season. Next time on Food of the Gods, we'll talk with professional surfer and plant-based chef extraordinaire Brisa Hennessy, who has qualified to represent Costa Rica as surfing makes its debut in the Olympic Games in Tokyo this summer. Until then, for more information on Food of the Gods or to download other episodes, visit us at foodofthegodspodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at, at food of the gods pod or email us at food of the gods podcast at gmail.com. Food of the gods is a digitant podcast production.